Welcome back to season 11, episode 34 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Doctors Have Experienced 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this podcast. In our next episode, we will hear from Fabrizio Billy. Dr. Billy works at UCLA and is a co-host of this conference. In this episode, he will discuss Doctors Have Science, part two of the conversation, which I think you'll really, really enjoy. Please join me as we welcome Dr. Billy to the DocSF stage. So the first paper here, I'd like to object to the paper. There's a lot of math in the paper and there's a lot of big words, but let's just break down the title. So co-manipulation, let me tell you about robotics. There are a couple different ways that robotics are classified in this paper and very, very quickly. There's the teleoperation like the Da Vinci. This is soft tissue, not really relevant to orthopedics. There's the autonomous, like think surgical, where essentially you set things up and then the robotic arm itself executes. And then there's what they call co-manipulation and what they mean by by that is the surgeon can manipulate the arm and the arm itself is giving the surgeon some guidance. So that's the concept of co-manipulation. The whole concept about exteroceptive visual coupling just means there's a camera. So <laughs> there's a camera watching not only the end effector, in this case, a drill, but also watching the patient. And so obviously it's the combination of those two things, the coupling of not only knowing exactly where the drill is, but also knowing exactly where the patient is here, a spinal model. You have to have both those sources. So the concept here with co-manipulation is trying to leave the surgeon in control. And actually, I think there's great value in that. I think there's a lot about feel that we keep bumping up against with a surgeon that we have to allow the surgeon to remain in some level of control, but we need a better way of accomplishing it. And that's what they're trying to get out with this paper. I mentioned there's a lot of math in the paper. Did you know that pedicle screw placement, that's what they're talking about, placing a screw in the spine around the spinal cord, pedicle screws are misplaced 8.3 to 50 0.3% of the time. Yikes. And the paper is trying to get a level of precision in the cervical spine. Let me just tell you this about the cervical spine. The bones are smaller and the spinal cord's bigger. So if you want to practice, practice in the lumbar spine where the nerves are spread out and the bones are bigger. But they're trying to get the level of accuracy and they're just illustrating a relatively new concept in the spine world. There are some robotic systems already in the spine world, but not really illustrated quite as this, the co-manipulation of the end cutting instrument. By the way, co-manipulation in our world in orthopedics is like the Mako device, if you know that system where essentially the computer knows exactly where the saw blade is and exactly where the leg is in space. And it's a great illustration of that. Again, there's a lot of math that goes into it. There's seven degrees of freedom here on this robotic arm that's very critical because again, where you're starting, your entry point, your angle and your depth of penetration, very critical for placement. So do we want to improve on 50% malplacement of screws around the spinal cord? The answer is yes. And robotics will help us get them. All right. Quick comment. Yeah. Interestingly, this is not CT-based. So the computer did not know where the shape of the bone was. What was interesting to me was that the surgeon placed the drill into this position that the surgeon thought it would need. And then the robot held it there 
And the idea is that when the patient breathes and moves, it just follows the movement of the bone. So this is still not as precise as image-based robotics, but it's somewhere in between. Rarely do I hear about spine surgery and get excited about changing fields to that from arthroplasty. This to me just seems like a real sweet spot in terms of this technology helping it. I mean, the stakes are really high. The errant pedicle screw, it's frightening to think about the error rate. And so it just seems like a very important topic and a great piece of anatomy to work on. Stefan. Yeah, I enjoyed this paper. It actually was a really nice summary about what robotics is that you nicely reviewed on tele as well as autonomous versus uh, guided. Having done a little bit of work with KUKA and the seven degrees of freedom are important for uh, trocar kinematics. And I'm a big fan of autonomous robots because I think I'm a pretty good surgeon, but I still think an autonomous robot can do better than I can, having had some experience with autonomous robotics. So I'm excited to see that there's some work done in autonomous robotics, which this obviously is. All right, Stefan. So that's the one with the gun, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the reason why I picked that paper, why I really enjoyed reading it is we always felt that haptic is the future. And this paper really shows a nice way of a new concept where you, the gun not just gives you a haptic feedback by resisting, but by vibrating and guiding you in one direction or another. So this gun actually has the sensations on the gun and from a standpoint of this being integrated into future workload, I think it could really make us more efficient because I know now when I do navigation or when I do a robotics case, I'm always looking worse the monitor. And some people are really good about putting the monitor behind me, especially when I do a trauma case. And the other day I was doing a fracture and I nearly cramped up in my neck because I kept turning around. And then there was at least eight people in the operating room. I says, is anybody realizing that I'm struggling here and can you put that monitor somewhere else? Well, this will kind of eliminate that because it then guides the surgeon on where to go. And so I thought the uniqueness of this, which was really interesting, and that's why I gave it a very high rating. Perfect. Corey. Yeah, I thought was really interesting is the surgeons that were participating in this study enjoyed the process. So they make a big issue. You know, Stefano talks about this all the time. It's got to be friendly to the surgeon. It's got to be easy for the surgeon. And I think this kind of integrated flow, right, not twisting our neck, is powerful. I like this paper for two reasons. One is it was a new concept that you'd get different kind of haptic feedbacks in four different directions, which is a completely new concept to me. Uh, the other thing I like because I'm a bit of a nerd and I, although I'm not an engineer, I do some small electronic projects and every one of those components are all bought from Adafruit, which is very easy to get. So I could have made this, but I don't know anything about the math. <laughs> Peter? Yeah, we have five senses and we utilize all of those as we're doing surgery. So wherever you can augment those to either, you know, improve them, uh, reduce cognitive load. And so I think it's quite clever thinking about this in a, in a slightly different way in terms of just the haptics. All right. See, I'm, I'm hoping that they can convert this to improve my golf stroke, right? <laughs> so have it put a whole suit on me and it'll vibrate and make sure that I swing correctly. So maybe there's hope for me to get a better handicap. <laughs> All righty, Peter. So I enjoyed this study. This is a study where it's the early stages of 
building toward a robot that assists with surgery that understands something about context. I think throughout life, I'm a little bit addicted to context. I think context matters. If I say the word colon right now, you're probably thinking an organ, right? If you're at a writing seminar, you're not thinking about the organ, you're thinking about the punctuation. So in all these technologies, context matters a great deal. So what they did is they are doing robotic-assisted colon surgery. We are at an orthopedics conference, but this is a good paper. And they're trying to get it to assist with two simple things. One is recognizing the temporal step within the operation. What phase of the operation are they at? And not being a colorectal surgeon, I can't remember what those steps are. And then the other thing is semantic segmentation. Okay, word salad for folks who don't know the space, but it is, hey, can you recognize an organ, a tissue plane, maybe something you should avoid, a ureter, things of that nature. And they had a relatively small sample size, but they had video footage of these surgeries and uh, they annotated the data as best they could. I think it was just one person, but hey, you gotta start somewhere. And what they found basically is with that relatively limited number of cases, of course, making use of transfer learning, they were able to fairly accurately identify the phase of surgery with just, you know, 50, 60 cases. Okay, good step. The F1 was like 0.8, so, you know, okay, reasonable for a small sample and didn't do as well when it came to segmentation. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You can just imagine sort of the change of state. So, uh, you know, if I were doing this surgery, all of a sudden what we've identified is the edge of the colon might become a lot more bloody than it had been earlier. Maybe I'm running the bovie, there's smoke. Maybe there's new glare that wasn't there before. Maybe the camera bumped up against something and now it's all foggy. And so that's a much bigger challenge and it's gonna require a lot more data. So I think the point here is that, look, this is early stages, but like a lot of things, we. Need need more data and we need good data and you have to be thoughtful about how you collect it, both with the hardware and how you annotate it. No, I think that's great. I think it speaks to the complexity. You know, this AI segmentation in particular did not do well in real world, talking about with smoke and blood and all those things that Peter was mentioning. And this is a critical element because if we apply these things in the lab and they work well, but it doesn't work in the real world, it's kind of useless. So very interesting paper. I'd encourage you to kind of flip through it, even as a non-colon surgeon. And I'm glad they're not using the sense of smell in this paper, but being able to help guide the surgeon is powerful, but it's got to work in the real world. I think I also like this paper. I mean, think about the potential about where this is going to identify structures within the abdomen. It'll be far easier to do it in orthopedics where there's only bones. But the safety features that this could eventually help with is amazing. In the abdominal surgery, the difference between the ureter and some of the nerves is very difficult to differentiate. So if this can do that and help towards maintaining safety, this would be huge. Yeah, my wife does da Vinci surgery and she always says, one thing she worries about the most is the ureter, right? You know, it takes 10,000 cases to be an expert, which most of us will achieve when we retire. This technology might actually cut that down to 5,000. So if every surgery you do gets recorded and then it adds a level of learning of where this structure might be or this structure might be, this might really cut down our learning curve to become an expert. Thank you. So one quick final question for everybody, robotic surgery, cobots, where are we going? What do you want to see happen in the next coming years? Steph? You know, from a very specific standpoint of orthopedic surgery, my dream is to have a autonomous robot, an AI-driven planning software combined with a 3D printed custom implant. 
Are we going to achieve that in the next two years, the next five years, next 10 years? I don't know. But I will say my hips run marathons, my knees do not. There's a reason for that. And I think that's part of the problem because we're not combining those three things at this stage. Peter? For me, it really comes down to data. I know a lot of people think this way. It's not novel. But for me, the robots are most exciting because they're data collection tools. And so these have now been brought into one of the most sacred spaces in all of healthcare. And they're an instrument that collects data. And so being able to organize that data in a cogent way to start to understand what processes, what practices are superior to others, it's really going to require good, clean data. And I'll just mention federated learning, which would come way farther down the line to actually get the sample sizes, generalizability across institutions. Gavin. Yeah, I completely agree with Peter. And at the moment, the way I'm using robotics is there's preoperative planning and intraoperative execution. At the moment, the preoperative ex planning is based only on the information I've generated over years of doing surgery. I think the next step is to be able to collect all the data the robots have collected over the last few years and then guide me to make that preoperative plan because the intraoperative execution is already here. And then, of course, there can be iterative improvements in the actual execution, smaller size robots, etc. But to me, that preoperative planning is very important. Yeah, and just to kind of tag on and throw a bomb in the room. So data, a personalized plan, I love it, but we have to speak about liability. So if these companies are going to say, hey, I have the data, I have the perfect personalized plan, they have to accept responsibility when things go wrong. Currently, we as a society are more comfortable with letting that sit on the shoulders of surgeons. So something to think about. Sounds good. Thank you very much, guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to DocSF Science as part of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we do, please share the podcast, share the lectures with your friends, and leave us a nice review on your podcast player choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 